Good morning. You'll notice that we're in Hebrews chapter 8 again, and last week's text was verse 9, and I, I began to go through some of verse 10, and then I realized that uh, considering what we often do in celebration, uh, what we call Resurrection Sunday, which might I add might not have been Sunday, uh, I thought that <clears throat> maybe diving a little deeper into uh, chapter 8, verse 10, uh, might be of some spiritual benefit to us. Of course, it would have either way, but uh, most certainly in, in considering uh, the resurrection of Christ. And uh, I would like to add as sort of a caveat that uh, there may be some great debate amongst believers as to which day Christ was uh, placed upon the cross and which day uh, he arose. And we will see uh, as we look uh, maybe even into Luke's gospel account of of uh, arriving at the tomb and finding it empty, that there may be uh, some evidence that seems conflicting that some people will say support uh, a Sunday resurrection, others Saturday, and there may be many other days. And I would submit to you that uh, the Lord, our God, knows exactly when Christ rose from the grave and he found it. Uh, not necessary to pinpoint the date for us. I believe that if man can keep a calendar, how much more so can God? And uh, if that were the importance of the the text of Scripture to declare exactly which day of the week that Christ rose, uh, we would uh, be very poor students of the gospel. In fact, the the purpose of the gospel is only to know that Christ did go to the cross and that he was buried and that he did rise again and ascend to heaven and that is the most important thing if you knew exactly what time christ went to the very moment and second to the cross if you knew exactly when he uh, was put behind the uh, the the stone at the tomb if you knew what time that he ascended into heaven it would do no good if he was not your lord and savior and uh i think this morning there will be a, a humbling reminder that there are many who will come to church, and I, I believe the Lord knew what I would say this morning, and so we don't have many visitors. Uh, there will be many who celebrate or come to uh, say that they celebrate the resurrection of Christ this morning, and uh, the reality is that if you are a Christian, you should celebrate the resurrection of Christ in every breath. Uh, and it's sad that people will meet this day out of the year and may become no other day to the house of the Lord or to the houses of the Lord, all of these belonging to him, every place on earth and in heaven belonging to him. And people will come and they will say that they are celebrating, yet they will not even know this Lord and Savior. And they will not even uh, even taste what it is like to have life everlasting or to have true righteousness. And the reality is that we can uh, even ourselves fall prey to this uh, in some form or fashion and think that we are keeping with some tradition of, of biblical matter. And in fact, uh, all the while, while we are trying to keep one thing, we are failing at many. And uh, I would pray this morning that we would uh, see the truth of Scripture and just be aware that we are all sinners saved by grace if we be saved at all and and that is the perspective that we should have going into this particular portion of hebrews chapter 8 now i want to begin with verse 7 again for if the first covenant had been faultless there would have been no occasion sought for a second for finding fault with them he says behold days are coming says the lord when i will effect a new covenant the house of israel and with the house of judah not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and I did not care for them, says the Lord. 
For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen and everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all will know me from the least to the greatest of them, for I will be merciful uh, to their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. When he said a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. But whatever is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to disappear. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, Lord, we look to you this morning to uh, use the scripture, your word, or this uh, embodiment of the Savior who has become flesh, that, uh, Lord, you would reveal to us the eternal truths of Christ that we may be by them sanctified, Lord, redeemed, of course, or that we may know Christ and that we may as well know ourselves and our sin, that knowing the Christ from the Word, uh, or we may put off sin, and that we would not commit iniquity against the very Creator God who has declared it so sinful. God, we... Uh, pray for many this morning who may never hear the preaching of the gospel again Lord, that it would be effectual unto salvation Lord, that if they uh, hear the message of christ that they may know him and that he would as well know them Lord, uh, pleading and serving as a mediator uh, for those who have yet to respond Lord, we just thank you that that is what the gospel is able to do Lord, we pray for those, uh, Lord, who may come to a quote-unquote church service today and maybe every year, once a year, Lord, saying that they celebrate the resurrection of Christ when in reality, uh, Lord, they are only finding condemnation. Lord, we pray that uh, today be the day of salvation for those, Lord, that uh, there be a true introspection amongst Christians and unbelievers this day about the work of Jesus the Christ or that uh, we may glorify him for what he has done that we may offer to you worship and praise and uh, adoration God for what you have done in providing a savior Lord, we just ask that you would enable us to worship in spirit and truth God that you would uh, truly show us uh, those things that are veiled in the scriptures that have been hidden from the natural man Lord, and in them that we may refrain from sin and that we may uh, look to Christ for his righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to uh, briefly go back, verses 7, 8, and 9, and look what the text says. It says, for if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for a second. Uh, we've talked about it over the last few weeks that is, in fact, showing us that there is a fault uh, with the first covenant. Uh, the first covenant, as we uh, would consider it, and I, I've never said it exactly this way. I've, uh, I've tried to, but I think this may be a clearer way to say it. When there is a fault with the first covenant, we have to understand that a covenant is not just a promise. A covenant uh, contains essentially three things. It, it contains the promise itself, uh, the promiser and the promisee and so when we say that the first covenant uh, had fault it has to be with one of those three parts now was there an issue with the promiser of course not that is the perfect almighty righteous God of heaven uh, is the problem with his promise absolutely not because what he was promising was something that we would need something that we in some way should desire something that we should uh, want something that is beneficial so the issue again is not with the promiser or the promise what about the promisee sinful man well of course uh, with such a title we would know that the promise uh, is not the problem it is the one who are to be recipients of the covenant this promise of God for we could not fulfill we could not keep our end in fact uh, that is why we have even on earth lawyers and attorneys and problems because men cannot keep their word if men cannot therefore keep their own word does it not stand to reason that we most certainly 
cannot keep the word of God. That it is an impossibility with man, as Jesus would say, both to find eternal life and to keep the commandments, but it is a possibility with none other than Christ himself. So we have the revelation of the fault in the first covenant, it being with sinful man. And it says in verse 8, For finding fault with them, declaring that it is with man, he says, again, God speaking, Behold, days are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant. This is... um. A quotation, what we have here from Jeremiah chapter 31, that God had spoken to the prophet. He had told that these things would happen, things that uh, in one sense we should be glad of. And, and in another sense, if, if we could have been there and we could have known that this was speaking of a covenant to come, and yet a covenant before that has yet to come, we should say, whatever this first one is, let's not put all our eggs in one basket and trust in it because God is revealing to us that there is a greater final covenant. But man is so foolish and man is so errant. Man is um, so lacking in knowledge that we could not see this. Even today, as we have it written before us, there are those yet to see the truths of God's covenant Either the first, the second, the, uh, the final there. No one can see these things without the Spirit of God. It says, but I will effect a new covenant. Uh, what's interesting about the title of new covenant is not only that it is better than the former, but when he says new covenant, it doesn't just include a new promise to the people of God. It includes that the old people who receive the new covenant will become new people. That's uh, amazing. The new covenant is about a new life. It's about a new person where the former is passed away, where all things uh, become new. This includes the entirety of the man from the inside out, that which is being pictured here from verses 7 to 11 or even to the end of the chapter, that man is being transformed and considered from the inside out. Not only that which is outward, not only those things which others can see, but even those things that only God can see. That is how powerful this covenant is to change not only what others see, but what others cannot, what is hidden, what is masked. And as we continue on, it says, I will effect a new covenant. Not only will he give it, but he will effect it. He will make it work. Imagine that. It's not try on Jesus like so many churches would preach, like so many rehabs may say so many homes and these different quote-unquote ministries try jesus the bible doesn't say here is a possible new covenant jesus uh is being described here as a covenant in which god will effect he will make work he will make effectual he will effect this new covenant it means men from it will be saved not might be saved, not could be saved. Men will be saved. This is the nature of Christ, a guaranteed working Savior, a guaranteed fulfilling covenant, a great high priest who does not offer sin for himself and gifts on behalf of himself and his sin because he had none. Here is a Christ who is pictured as a mediator, a priest, a prophet, a king that will not be succeeded by anyone else. In fact, all the rest, uh, as we think of them, people say we've seen phony Christ and we've seen look-alike Christ, but the reality is the Bible says they're not even that good of imitators. Even the things that God himself had worked in place as hebrews chapter 8 described as a copy and a shadow they didn't look exactly like jesus they were merely an outline a form and here we have the most complete picture of a christ who is able to save it says a covenant with the house of israel these tribes have been broken up the house of judah it says not like that which i made with their fathers not one that could be lost by man. 
not one that could be passed on simply through blood and flesh, or as we'll soon see, simply by man's teaching. But this will be a covenant unto all of those whom God has deemed it necessary to understand the gospel truth. That it will not uh, lose one because this covenant is Christ. This covenant is a good shepherd. John chapter 10 declares this covenant is the true vine. This is the God Almighty in the flesh. None losing is he. Not like what I made with their fathers. Not dependent upon sinful flesh. Not dependent upon the blood of bulls and goats and pigeons and doves. Not dependent upon offerings in a plate or in a box. Not dependent upon who your parents were. Or what building or what city uh, you attended to worship. Or on this mountain or the next. In fact, it was simply dependent upon this Christ, stronghold, a mighty fortress, a true Zion, not like the old covenant on the day when I took them by the hand. What he's saying when I took them by the hand is he's declaring the weakness of sinful man that they must be grasped. They weren't clinging to God. These aren't uh, grown men, if you will, but they were like foolish infants lost in fact before they were even wandering in a wilderness they were wandering in a wilderness spiritual wilderness and god is declaring that he took them by the hand what is this picturing other than a god who is leading god who is powerful god who is omniscient he says, and I led them out of the land of Egypt. I led them from captivity. What was the purpose of this if all of these were not truly saved believers? After all, we see that not all of Israel is Israel. Depends upon the condition of the heart, where our trust is placed, if it be with the Christ, or if it be in our giving, our sacrifices, our merit amongst men. And that was what we've dealt with. But it says here he led them out of Egypt in order that we would have this uh, pre-incarnate Christ picture in Revelation of what God is doing by this new covenant. Leading man out of captivity, out of... E Egypt here is, uh, is a captor and he is sin and he is death and he is iniquity. And we know that some wanted to stay, Right? Not only did they want to stay before they left, but even after they left, some wanted to return. Boy, is this not a picture of the wilderness of the world? Is this not a picture of our sinful nature? Even when we profess that Jesus is the Christ, the day that we uh, may be baptized and that we may pronounce before the congregation of our local body that we have been saved, maybe we lose the joy not soon after and then we want to return to the old way. Wouldn't work, this old covenant. He says, I led them by the hand out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. They wouldn't. And he says, and I did not care for them, says the Lord. And then what we uh, begin to look at, for this is the covenant that I make. Again, quoting the Old Testament scriptures. With the house of Israel, after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. This is the covenant that I will make. When he is declaring that this is the covenant that he will make, he's not saying it in the same form as, as he had made the past. He says in the past that it was a covenant that he made and that depended upon man's fulfillment of it, of course, failing as it would. And in this passage, I believe we often don't place enough emphasis on what he says. This is the covenant that I will make. When he says, when I will make this covenant, he is the author and finisher of the faith that leads to belief in Jesus Christ. He is the one who has appointed him as heir. He has appointed him as priest, this Jesus. He has appointed him to die. And when he says that I make it, he says, I made the promise and I am making it work. 
not only does it work simply because it saves man, but this promise of Christ is literally and eternally working to the saints, making us look like Christ, making us to love like Christ, making us to abhor sin and iniquity. Many times I must confess as I read that this is the covenant that I will make. I think of God as creating a covenant, but I don't often think about God seeing it through at every moment. Even the moment when we are rebelling, God is making, God is forcing. If you don't think that this is the God of the Bible able to even force you have missed something about this god how can he be pictured and illustrated in such uh terms as we see as what we read last week in the evening service slaves and masters isn't a master one who forces isn't he one who imposes and do we yet think bad about an employer who would do that who would force us to do our job insist that we do and see that we do and check in every moment that we are behaving and working as we are should most certainly this is the god of the bible he has declared that we are righteous by the blood of christ that we have been saved by him and he is making us to look like him praise god because you can't make yourself look like him i have no chance i have not even the opportunity to make myself because if it were not for jesus i could not be found in his presence nor to even know what he looks like or how he behaves or how righteous he is yet here is the covenant that i will make declares the lord and beyond what the immediate text even says it is not a covenant just simply for jews but also for gentiles one covenant encompassing all of salvation all of righteousness all of holiness and without it there is none of those things after those days says the lord here is the wonderful part i will put my laws into their minds and i will write them on their hearts i will be their god and they shall be my people I will. When it says I will, it's not as just the simple I will that we think about like I will go to the store. This is I have the will. It is my will. And let it be known that Jesus was teaching how to pray. Let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven whatever god in heaven is declaring whatever he has willed for his creation let it be done and we know that god has granted that prayer because he says whatever you pray according to my will and here it is jesus declaring for us that that is it hebrews chapter 8 verse 10 declaring i will i will put and i have made it that i will and that i shall see it done this way I will give what is not there is what God is saying. I will not only give what is not there in the form of law, I will place it permanently. The analogy that I would love to use is I would set it in stone, but he declares that that is not where he sets it any longer. Something more permanent even than stone something that cannot be eroded away here is the spirit of man that which will endure forever because of christ he says i will put my laws into their minds it, it is declaring for us that before the law was somewhere else the law was not on the mind be it far from you for if the law was on the mind how could we have sin how could we love sin how can we fall victim to sin if it was constantly on the mind here he says i will put it 
you will intellectually know was in now the mind that you may comprehend. Now we see that this is most certainly an epistle to the church. This is most certainly for not the natural man here, but for those who are saved, those who have uh, felt the effect of this covenant of God. Now we begin to see how precious this teasing Nathan on the phone this week when he called and told me that Christine had some pigs. We were interested in what color they were, and it just, the, the song that children sing uh, hit me, and I asked him, I said, ask Christine if red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in her sight, all the colors. And most certainly that that is true, and I think about that this morning. What a reality it is. Red and yellow, black and white super sinful in his sight yet jesus the christ is saving because of this text because he is this text i will put my laws the laws of morality and righteousness and good do not belong to america or some other country, or some other organized government. They belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. His law, that which shall be punished. There's no escape from this law, lest it be in Christ. There is no hiding or loopholes. There is no warning. Only tickets. Only citations when it comes to the law of God. And they demand not that one person may know someone and they get off a little easier than the next. It is declared that if we are to break the law of God, if we are to sin one time, we shall find destruction. He said to Adam, dying you shall die. On the way to the end of the mortal body, you shall die eternally if you are found in sin without Christ. Yet, the text is promoting hope. I will write them on their hearts. Now, if it is now written on the heart, we must only conclude uh, that there is something different in this writing on the heart. There must be different about something different about the writing and something different about that which it is inscribed upon. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Are we beginning to command ourselves again? Or do we need, as some, letters of commendation to you or from you? You are our letter, written in our hearts, known and read by all men, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. See what Jeremiah was saying? Do you see what the penman of Hebrews was saying? I will write and put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I thought about how wonderful it was. When we first think of the law, we think about it as something that is written on stone and now something that is written on the heart. I believe there's many illustrations that we may properly take away from that. 
written on stone, something hard, something that we think of as pretty impenetrable. We still even build with stones because it's not able to penetrate. Yet God was able on stone to write out his law. And now he says, I will not put it on stone because he has removed the stone for those in whom he is writing on the heart. There was once a stony heart. And it could on the outside contain whatever laws that you would want. And that is what man-made religion and what those failed followers of the old uh, Orthodox Judaism, uh, those are the things that they missed. It was written on the outside, but it could not make it to the inside. And now God is declaring that he is not writing on tablets of stone. He is writing on tablets of new flesh. Holy undefiled pure as he has made it i don't believe that necessarily ends there those illustrations but i want to uh, move on and then come back uh, for reasons that you will see it says i will put my laws into their minds and i will write them on their hearts i will be their god what a fulfillment you know the reality is that though uh, in the Old Testament, these who were being led by the hand out of Egypt might have been considered the people of God. They were not all the people of God. He was not their God because they worshipped through idolatry many other things. They did not trust the leadership that God had given them. They did not trust the word of the Lord at many times. They did not trust the sustenance of the Lord as it would come. In fact, they would mock. They would whine. They would complain. Things that our parents would spank us for today. What a lesson has it been for them to know that they did not trust in the Almighty God. What a lesson should it be for us today when we fail to trust this very same God. I will be, meaning that at times he has not been because of sin, but at the same time simultaneously declaring that from before the foundation of the earth, I will be your God because he is a God of imposition, a God of sovereignty, a God who knows our weakness knows our wandering, knows exactly how to bring every saint back. And not only does he know how, but he does it. He has effected a new covenant. He has willed, he has written into the mind and onto the heart. And he says, and they shall be my people, not left to chance. This is not simply as we see it uh, in the immediate context. I will be their God and they will be my people as a kingdom simply to come. And it cannot be as many Christians would present a kingdom that is of outward works. Because if that were the case, many would find it. Many are full, even unregenerate man of what looks to the world like good works. What looks like the God of the Bible to some. If you don't believe it, think about the cults. Mormonism. Jehovah's Witnesses. Unfortunately, oneness Pentecostals. Sometimes Roman Catholics. Should they be given to every doctrine that they claim to hold? Could be for people in this church if we fail to see that everything is summed up by Christ. In fact, we as a people of God are only a people of God because of God. The gospel begins and ends with Christ. What a true alpha and omega is this God. None before him, 
None shall there be after him. That is not only speaking about the eternal existence of God. It is talking about the saving person of God. No savior before him. None shall there be after him. It is true in every sense imaginable that this is speaking about God. None righteous before him. None shall there be after him except by his blood. None holy before, none holy after, none fulfilling the law before, none fulfilling the law after. It is based on the work of Christ and nothing else. Let's turn to Luke chapter 24. Some of you are saying, where's my Easter message? The Easter message can be found from the first page to the last page in your Bible. How about an amen for that, Brother Charlie? That's the reality of the gospel. And yet here we see that it is uh, a gospel and a kingdom and a righteousness and a law that is from the inside out transforming. Here, Luke's account of the resurrection, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus because he was the Christ. While they were perplexed about this, not understanding, having no comprehension of what was going on, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing, and the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. The men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? And there was the first clue as to what had happened if you missed it when the stone was rolled away and it was empty. There was no corner, and Jesus was hiding in there. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Only God knows that. Seeking those who will be living amongst those who are dead in sin and trespasses. He is not here, this Christ, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all of the things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now all of a sudden they remembered. This morning we ought to remember. And not just once for the year. But every morning when we rise, the first thing in our mind ought to be an empty tomb. Praise the Lord. When that tomb was presented empty and when Luke, when Matthew and any of the other men of God who has recorded epistles in this Bible write about an empty tomb, it was not only Jesus, but effectually it was you and I recipients of the grace of God and the mercy of Christ. That empty tomb was not simply empty just to show that Jesus was powerful because he is. He needs not to defend his power amongst men. But it is a declaration that he is the almighty God and Savior. And that when he brings himself from the dead as some scriptures Put it in as God raises him from the dead as others in the spirit as they are all three accounted for as raising him from the dead. We have a, a picture of the triune God. He was not only raising this perfect Christ, but he was raising sinful man who would trust in him. Paul said it many ways. Crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. We ought to be singing, because he lives, I live. Should tell us what we are to do here this morning. Because he lives, and because I live, I ought to be living like he is living. And like he has lived. And like he is watching because he is. Like he is knowing because he is. Like he is loving because he is. They were astonished. 
Verse 12 says, But Peter got up, ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. And I thought about this morning the writings of the law unto the minds writing on their hearts as he said that he would be their God also remembered Romans chapter 8 worthwhile to look at Romans chapter 8 Therefore, there is no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from now what we see as the former, the law of sin and death. When the text of Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10 talks about putting law into the minds and into the hearts. It is talking about this very same law of the spirit of life in Christ. And then when it is referring to that in opposition to the former law, it is speaking about the law of sin and death written on stone. And then I thought, as many times as I had read the text, there was more to that tomb than we see. It was a tomb with a large stone. A large represented by sin and depravity and death stone. Why were they marveled? Because no man could roll away sin and death. No man could penetrate beyond that stony tomb. When I think about this law written there when the stone was rolled away for the Lord Jesus Christ, it was sin and death and the law thereof that was fulfilled in him and it was moved to the side to make way for the king of kings. What God has done in the person of Jesus Christ as he has gone to the cross he has offered his only begotten son, the righteous blood, in which Christ says he gives willingly on behalf of those sheep who belong to him. He has paid a payment that has moved the largest stones away from the tomb that would trap us. He has moved away sin and death and set them aside that we may walk paths of righteousness. There's a marvelous Easter sermon. The stone that is rolled away is too heavy for man. Too big a bar- burden. We might have rolled it downhill, but we can't roll it uphill. That's the reality of man's life. Easy for us to go downhill, hard to make it to the cross. Jesus says, impossible, but with God, all things are possible. What a wonder. When tomb was open and Christ was not there, sin and death moved to the side and fulfilled as it would be in Christ. I'm remembered. Again, something that my wife says all the time. Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. That is the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It means that the mercy of God 
through Christ will never come to an end. No sin too great, no sinner too far. No lamb too lost, if you will. Everything that God requires, God provides. Everything that God commands, he wills away. This morning, the call of the gospel to the saved and to the unsaved, yet to be saved, even, is to repent and believe. The very thing that we got started on is the very thing that we ought to see to the end. Repentance and belief. Trusting in Christ, for there is no other way. We sing it in hymns. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. What a picture of what God has done. He has caused us to see the gospel, the truth of who Jesus Christ is, and then to return and see ourselves for our iniquity and our sinfulness, and to see that we have no hope, and then again turn to Christ. And now trust. What do we see? That because of the work of God, the sovereignty of God in salvation, trust and obey is a foregone conclusion, a byproduct of God's saving mercy that we may trust in Christ and that we may obey. All of the things that the former, the old covenant, the old law, those before us would get caught up in because they would want trust and obedience and then salvation. And God says, here he is, my only son. Up on the cross, down in the tomb, risen from the grave and now ascended into heaven. Because of this, now, because of salvation, now you may trust and obey. Reality is that sometimes the songs we sing are the, are the simplest forms of doctrine and beliefs. Trust and obey, no other way. This morning I would submit to you that there is no other way. No other chance. Maybe not even another opportunity to believe even this gospel. We're having our meal in just a moment. You could choke on a piece of chicken. And as foolish as that sounds, it has happened before. Men have fallen just in the presence of God or at the speech and the breath of his word for less sin. Maybe some for more, maybe some for less. The reality is that we have not the opportunity nor the chance, the knowledge to know when we are ordered to repent and to believe. To know that Jesus Christ is perfect. That he has fulfilled the law. And even beyond. He is the one whom God says. I am well pleased with. Reality is if we know that God is pleased in the son Jesus Christ. Why would we try to find out if he's pleased with anything else. It's almost like the cheat sheet to salvation. We know the answer. God has said, this is the only one who has ever pleased me. Therefore, we ought to be as Christ is. Holy, he says, be ye there as I am holy. Righteous as I am righteous. Perfect as I am perfect. How can we do that except that we be covered by the blood of Christ? Let's pray. Father God, as we I've opened your word, Lord. We just pray that uh, we would begin to see all of the illustrations, God, that you have placed. Lord, it is not by chance that your law was written on stone. It is not by chance that this is what held Christ in the grave, that it is signifying sin and death. God, it is not by chance that he happened to be on the cross that day. He was in the right place at the right time because we were wrong. Lord, we pray then 
you would forgive us of our sins and cleanse us truly of our iniquity that we may see you in glory. Lord, that we may worship you even now. Now that we may be changed by the person of Christ in this moment and forward. Lord, we pray that no one here would be embarrassed, Lord, if they must profess that Jesus Christ is Lord, or either young or old. God, we pray that you would take away any spirit of fear, Lord, any embarrassment that there may be, for there is uh, no pride of man that is worth losing the life. Lord, there is nothing to be shameful about in admitting that we have sinned and fallen short and have now received the grace and mercy of God. Lord, Jesus Christ has taken those things. We ask that that be the reality this morning for someone, Lord. If just one soul be saved by the preaching of your word, Lord, and if the saints may be renewed uh, by seeing what Christ has done, Lord, we offer to you glory and honor, adoration, and respect, God, in all of those things that you so deserve. Lord, we ask for your, your mercies, that they continue as they have, Lord. Even more sure am I of your mercies than I am that the sun will rise. We thank you for that, O oh God. We ask that you would bless our time of fellowship and our meal, Lord, and we pray that uh, Easter be celebrated for the remaining days of this year and those years that might be to come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.